Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Your brain needs support. And new Ollie Brainy Chews are a delightful way to take care of your cognitive health. Made with scientifically backed ingredients like Thai ginger, L-theanine, and caffeine. Brainy Chews support healthy brain function and help you find your focus. Stay chill or get energized. Be kind to your mind and get these nootropic chews at ollie.com. That's O-L-L-Y dot com. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. Hey, what's up, everybody? It's John Notto, lead guitarist from Dirty Honey. You listen to Jay Scott on Hook Rocks, the best podcast on the entire internet. to the Hook Rocks, the Ultimate Rock Community Podcast. I'm your host, Jay Scott. We are part of the Pantheon Podcast Network, great platform of music-related podcasts. You can check out all the great music-related podcasts on Pantheon Podcast at pantheonpodcast.com, Pantheon Pods on Twitter, as well as Facebook. My guys, Tom and Zeus, Shout Out Loudcast are a part of them. Martin Popoff, The Rock Historian, Mistress Carrie, Baco from Cobras and Fire, and of course, Carmen Apice and Vinnie Apice with local Chicago promoter Ron Anesti. I think we're going to be having Ron on pretty soon, so look forward to that. Great discussion about what's happening with live concerts and promoting live concerts, and can't wait to dive in 
to the subject with Ron about all that and more stuff too as well. He's got a couple of great theaters here local to the Chicago suburbs. He's got the Arcata Theater in St. Charles and the Desplaines Theater in Desplaines, Illinois. I grew up in Desplaines, so uh, it definitely is uh, something that I need to check out. I have not been to a show there yet, but I have some friends that have and looking forward to visiting that place. You can follow The Hook Rocks at The Hook Rocks on Twitter, The Hook Rocks on Facebook, as well as any podcast platform. We're on all of them. Spotify, Amazon, Apple, every podcast platform you can check us out. Don't forget to check out the latest episodes that we've been rolling with. We just aired a great collaborative episode with John Notto from Dirty Honey and Tyler Baker from Goodbye June. Uh, wonderful discussion, about two hours long, completely blew me away in just terms of the flow of the show and the laughter and the inside, the music kind of talk and what kind of happens behind the scenes on some stuff, as well as you know their viewpoint of how they're growing as musicians and as bands as they reach each level, you know, going from that small club to that small theater to, you know, playing stadiums or arenas. And that's a, that's a big deal for a new band, a big adjustment. They talk all about it. John and Tyler were both great guests. Can't wait for Goodbye June's new album coming out in February. I can't wait to see Dirty Honey with Mammoth at the House of Blues in Chicago Great episode. Highly uh, suggest you check it out. We're going to be doing more of that. It went over so well that I've been in contact with management companies and PR firms about lining up different artists and who will be good on an episode with each other. It's also going to be a good way for fans of one band to kind of discover other bands too as well and kind of help grow their audience and Hopefully it works. You know, I've got some ideas of maybe pulling some UK and European bands or bands from overseas with some US bands, North American bands. So there's a lot, a lot of promise with, uh, with that episode or what's going to come from that episode. So I hope you all tune in and I hope that you listen because it's really important to support these emerging rock bands that are out there working hard, doing it themselves, building their audience one by one, namely Abby Kay. She just appeared with Diego and Zach, two members of her band. We talked all about her Nita Strauss tour and just the, the gosh, the power of playing at the Whiskey Go-Go and what that does to someone who's emerging in the rock scene to play at that walking or, or living, breathing museum of of rock live rock music everyone from zeppelin to motley Crue to van halen have played there and she talks all about all three of them talk all about it how amazing it was uh good for them good on them we always support abby she's she's one of our favorite guests and she works hard and she talks about some of the things that she has done to help get her at the, the front of the line in, in certain situations. Um, she's great. Her band's great. Zach and Diego are great. Uh, she's going to be touring with Nita Strauss in the coming year. She's got a new single that's going to drop first quarter. Lots going on with them. Very happy for them and very excited for the opportunities. Um, always glad to support and continue to support 
great new music. We just had The Issue, another great new band from Minnesota. We've had Seven Stones. We've had The Odd Even. We did a great episode with Travis McCready from Bishop Gunn back in, I want to say, November. So check all the new music spotlights out. Um, there'll be more. We're going to continue to do this. This is probably the most important thing that I believe we do here on this podcast is showcase new artists, showcase new bands, and we will continue to do that uh, as long as this podcast exists. We are so busy now. I mean, we've got stuff lined up. We're going into February with new bands and great interviews coming up and great topics. So I hope you all tune in to what's going to be happening in the new year and the guests that are coming up. Uh, I think you're going to enjoy them. I'm excited about them. And we've got a great one for you today. My next guest is someone I've wanted to have on this podcast for the last two and a half years since I started. And uh, it's a pleasure to have him on. I got introduced to this band by my son, who's about to turn 17. And when he was about to turn 13, he wanted to go see Black Bale Brides in concert. And they were playing in Chicago at the Riviera Theater. I took him. It was an absolute phenomenal show. And uh, we now have Andy Biersack, the lead singer of Black Veil Brides, on the Hook Rocks. And I'm really pumped about it. What's going on, Andy? Very happy to be here. Thank you so much for having me. And I'm so happy to hear that you guys enjoyed the show uh, in Chicago. That was a fun tour. That was we. Uh, it was the last tour that we did for a while before we, we kind of kicked back up. So um, that was that was a fun one. That was with Aston Alexandria, who have been our friends for, I mean, since we first started. So uh, fond memories of that show. I'm glad that you guys enjoyed it. I think that's the first time my son saw someone stage diving. Okay. All right. He's like, what are they doing? I'm like, you're too young to do that. Wait till you're a little older. Fair enough. Yeah. I mean, that's, uh, those, it's always, that's one of those things when I remember when I went to shows as a kid, I had gone with my dad to see, you know, Kiss and Aerosmith and ACDC and, and all the, the classic bands. And then I went to my first like punk rock show when I got a little bit older and I had never seen like mosh pits and stage diving and all that stuff. And I was so like, I don't know if this is for me. Like, <laughs> I don't know if I want to get involved in this. And uh, I remember the band was AFI and there's their tour manager came out on stage and said something along the lines of like stage diving is for idiots. And then all the whole crowd booed. And I, I was, I'd always stuck with me of like the, just sort of the funny thing of being a kid growing up, watching these huge shows with these kind of massive productions and then going to see a little punk rock show on a small stage and people just losing their minds and jumping off the stage and beating each other up and everything. Yeah, he um, he he's very into wanting to be in a mosh pit now, which okay. is, you know, I'm like, hey, man, that's a young man's game. Go, you know, you know, knock yourself out, but don't get knocked out and, uh, you know, enjoy yourself. So he hasn't been able to do it yet, but I have a feeling that that's on the uh, the horizon for him. I'm I'm a fan of uh, of people expressing themselves at rock shows in any way that they want to, so long as it's safe for everybody else. So I've been in a few pits in my life. I enjoy there's there is something about being on stage and seeing such a visceral reaction to what you're doing that is really exciting. So um, we always dig it when we look out and see the pits breaking up. And the fact that he's played hockey um, for most of his life, I'm sure he's okay with you know knocking hips and and and. and jumping into people so oh absolutely before we started i mentioned to you that i I grew up playing hockey as well so i can i can definitely understand that 
Well, Andy, we always ask the first uh, question is always the same, I should say, every time we have a first time guest on the show. And that is really what this podcast is about. Just like every great rock song has a hook that sucks you in, every rock fan has a moment, whether it's a song, an album, a band or performance that hooked them on rock and roll. What was it for you? Uh, it was Kiss. As a, as a real little kid, I found my dad's 1977 Kiss trading cards in a shoebox in the basement of our, of our first house when I was about three years old, and I didn't know what the hell it was or what they were or what, what any of it was, but I was so just fascinated by Gene Simmons, and, and you know, I was a big fan of superheroes, obviously, as a little kid. I grew up in the in the early 90s when Batman was kind of at its peak in terms of cinema and you're seeing all these characters all the time. And so my association with Kiss was they look like superheroes. So I got into it that way. And then that became, OK, well, what is this rock and roll stuff about? My dad introduced me to bands. And before you know it, I was going to concerts with him. And it was just an everyday part of my life, listening to different records of different bands through the years and finding all the classic bands. And as I became a teenager finding my own bands that I loved and going to concerts. And then, you know, the kind of trajectory became, well, this is what I want to do with my life. This is, I want to write songs and be in a band and be like these guys. Was there a certain performance that you saw that really kind of hooked you in to rock that you wanted to be on stage and perform? Um, I actually, you know, it's the show that I mentioned. Uh, growing up, I, I had only gone to these large scale production concerts where you're seeing you know, Steven Tyler and whoever else up on this giant stage with all the pyro and everything else. And that was the ultimate dream, but it, it didn't seem, you know, these guys were 40 years old, older than me. It didn't seem like as an approachable, as approachable of a thing. It seemed like this kind of like, you know, otherworldly, like crapped out from the sky by God to rock the earth kind of thing. And going to the first time I went to a Vans Warp Tour and seeing these young bands performing on small stages and just losing their minds and jumping off of things and just acting crazy on stage with energy and passion. It was kind of this thing that kind of my dream was, well, I want to combine the pageantry and the theatricality of these iconic bands that I love with the kind of visceral anger and angst and, and passionate performance of these punk rock bands. As far as writing goes, you, you always offer a, uh, a unique perspective that gives a voice to many of your fans that may not be able to find the words that they want to express. You know, you're they're able to express through a lot of the music that you write, whether it's with Black Veil Brides or with your your solo uh, project. And my sons even talked to me about it too, as well. Where does that come from for you? Was there was there a style or an artist that you really honed in on when you were younger that? like that style, like that expressiveness? Uh, yeah, it, for me with lyrics, it was a band called Alkaline Trio. That was the first, I remember getting their record Good Morning when I was probably like 12 and listening to the first song on it. And, and it just blew my mind because I, at that point, you know, when you're little and you're listening to like Dirty Deeds or any of these other like kind of classic rock songs, the meaning it, it's, it's sort of, it, it's lost on you. At least for me, it didn't feel like they were saying anything about anything that I'd experienced. And so finding Alkaline Trio, which was my first, like, you know, the first band that I discovered on my own and went, oh, I could, I can write so like, I can write about the things I'm actually feeling and the, and the, and the situations I'm going through. And I can, I can be the type of person to relate my situations in life and my life experiences 
through songs to an audience. And that was kind of the first inflection point for me that changed everything. As far as writing, when you are writing about something personal, um, there is a sense of vulnerability, which is difficult for a lot to kind of tap into that and maybe relive an experience that maybe isn't comfortable. Or if you're writing about something that you observed, there's still that vulnerability of, you know, something that you observed that was uncomfortable. How do you navigate through that process? Uh, when I was younger, I think that it was a more difficult situation because when you're, when you're really young and you're going through a hard time, whether that's, you know, when you're a teenager, you think a breakup is the end of the world or you think this or that's the end of the world because you have limited life experience. And so I found myself trying to write songs about things as I was experiencing them and they just became so literal. Like you're just talking exactly about the thing that you're experiencing and you don't have enough distance from it to be able to make a comment on the situation or something that is a simile or an idea around the situation. So the thing I guess I've learned the most is, and, and the thing that's benefited me as I've gotten older as a writer is to be able to look back on situations and place myself in different moments of my life and find a way to say something about that, as opposed to being in that exact moment and feeling like, oh, I, I have to talk about this thing as it's happening. I think distance is really helpful when it comes to writing. When you have that distance, right, and, and, you, and you're trying to connect back with it, um, and you obviously, like you said, distance offers a different perspective when you have a chance to think about it and, and really kind of evaluate what that was. Um, do you find that it's it's easier to write about those things or more difficult now that you've had the time and, and kind of have maybe a different perspective to maybe tap into an energy or emotion that maybe you felt at that time? Uh, I tend to think that it's it's probably uh, a case-by-case basis because sometimes, regardless of how much time has passed, a situation maybe just doesn't resonate as you've gotten older the way that maybe you thought it would when you were younger. And inversely, a situation may be just as open of a wound as you get older. So um, I think it really is a case-by-case situation where you're, you're, you're trying your best to be able to, 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 make a, to make a comment about something. The worst thing you can do as a writer on any level, I think, is to try to make assumptions about your audience and go, this is how they're going to understand this, or this is how I'm going to convey this to somebody. Um, you don't want to insult the intelligence of the people who are supporting you and, and listening to your records or, or listening to your songs. Um, so the, I, the objective to me is always to try to write songs from a place of, if I'm, if I'm looking back on the past, this is the way that my present self is, is kind of taking that information and conveying it. But also, and more importantly, what I'm saying is genuine to my life circumstances. I'm not, I'm not sort of, you know, uh, and, and that obviously that's a difficult task when you're, when you're writing songs about kind of larger concepts or writing concept records. But the idea is to always funnel it through the current experience or how you perceive the world around you. Because you're, you're very creative and you're also in, into the, the visual of the lyrical content or the meaning behind something that, you know, just being on stage and, and seeing you guys, Whenever you are writing, is that part of the process, too, to kind of see the image of the subject you're writing? Yeah, I mean, I think a lot of it comes down to for me, it's it's just it's a lot of it is art oriented, too, because you're what you're doing is you're you're kind of giving yourself an opportunity to build out this world. And I like to think of myself when I'm writing a song as placing myself in the context of this world. And if I can give myself a 360 degree view of where I am. I can be a more informed writer as I'm building a narrative. So I do like to think about 
the visual side of it. I like, you know, I design characters. I like to draw a lot. And I kind of like to put all that into a blender when I'm creating. As far as creating that, once you write that song, is it is it is the imagery and what you're creating in terms of the characters or what you want to convey to the audience, how easy does that come after the lyrics have been written? Or is it a joint thing that kind of runs parallel with each other as you're writing the song? I honestly think that they kind of run hand in hand more often than not. You know, it, it, it is, at least for me, it's kind of an amalgam of all of it. You know, I, 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 there are very few instances where I'm not considering, uh, I mean, I guess for lack of a better term, the source, which the source for me is so often a visual stimulus. The new album out this past October, The Phantom Tomorrow. Um, this is uh, an album that uh, is really resonating with your fan base. When you, Think about creating this, obviously, under the, the, the guise of what we were going through, the, the world that we were living in. How much did that affect your writing process, being everything normal prior to that? Um, I think it was probably it, it, it affected it more than I initially anticipated, you know, because we had gone into we started working on this record in January of 2020. So we had already started kind of build things out prior to all the things going down with with the pandemic. But as it went along and as you're working on a record for the course of a year, the reality of the world outside starts to filter its way into what you're doing. It's kind of inevitable. So I would say the way that it informed the writing is more so kind of that the wildness that we we uh, went through culturally and socially and politically and how the massive swings and changes in people's personalities that even that I knew or the way things were handled or, or all these other things, those things will ultimately become part of what you're working on. When you've written records before and written music before, um, have you ever had as broad of a palette, meaning so such a wide scope of things going on in the world, also maybe in your personal life, that you kind of had to think about and write about? Was it was there ever an experience like that before? Um, I don't think so, because most of my life has been spent touring and then you make a record and then you tour and then you make a record and the only life experience you have between record to record is touring so with this it had been several years since we made an album obviously the pandemic elongated that timeline so there was just so much going on that it was nice in a lot of ways to just have this central hub for all of us to go into the studio every day and just have a place to work and and be creative and get away from some of the the drudgery and the difficulties that we were all experiencing Kind of a strange question, but as far as writing under all this turmoil, is it is it easier for you to to connect with things when 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 things are like this are happening, where you know maybe other times you've got to tap into more personal things, but when let's face it, when things are happening in front of you and you're absorbing it and you're gathering all this these thoughts in your head. Is there more of a of a um, comfort in in maybe comfort's not the right word, but more of a, a of a way to write about these things and having the material right at your fingertips? Um, yeah, I suppose so. I think I think that having the the ability to know exactly what you're going into on anything is always going to help be more informative and help you develop. So yeah, I would say I would say certainly. 
This is a rock opera similar to the last release, Wretched and Divine. And when you are deciding to do something like this and, and do a rock opera, uh, where do you, you know, how, how do you begin the story? Um, how do you develop, you know, because it's kind of like writing a screenplay almost in, in a way or sure. a musical where you have to have the character and character development, story development. How do you, again, navigate through that writing process? Um, you know, I, I think a lot of it just comes down to knowing the beats and you know where you're going with the story. So once you're, once you feel like, at least for me, once I feel like I have a basic understanding of what the narrative is going to be, then it just becomes adding on to that every day, you know, as I'm, as I'm kind of navigating this, I'm going, well, this needs to happen and this needs to happen and this is where this needs to go. And then as a band, we're coming together and going tonally, what do we need? What kind of musical value do we need here? What kind of sound sonically, what do we need here? So you're, it's an ever evolving thing, but I think it almost, it starts with the basics and then every day is just adding to it, adding to it, adding to it until finally you feel like you've got it. How do you stay connected with something that you recorded in, or started to record in January 2020, and here we are at the end of 2021? Well, I think a lot of it just came down to we were doing the music videos. You know, I was directing the music videos, and we had constant kind of promotional materials that are being put together. We were developing this comic book. We're getting ready for tour. So while it certainly was a long time from completion of the record to the release, there was so many things centered around the record that occurred within the course of that year that we always felt like we were just part of it. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it just, I know some artists, it, it, it might be able to find that, that connection again, as they moved on to something. Cause a lot of artists, especially during this time are writing music because a lot, a lot was going on. Tours were canceled, things were happening. And, you know, when they have to then put out the album that was recorded a while back, They've got to find that mode again. They've got to find that that connection again. And I find that sure. very, the, the, the different answers that I get are, are very interesting. Yeah, I think a big part of it for us was just the uniqueness of the time allowed for us to really dive into the story. So when you're developing a comic book and shooting four music videos and animated videos and all this other stuff, we're doing live stream concerts. We were very much living in the world of this record for the totality of the year. What's next for you guys? Um, is there a tour plan? What's what's going on in 2022? Yeah, we're doing a tri-headline tour with uh, Marshalosa White and Ice Nine Kills called the Trinity of Terror Tour. That'll be going through the States. The first leg, uh, tickets just went up uh, a few days ago as of the end of December here, and we will be doing more legs and taking it across the world. So that's that's the plan. And as far as other projects besides this, is there anything that your fans you, you know need to know about or what you're working at? Well, I'm in the, I'm so focused on on Blackfell right now that it's it's kind of it's on the back burner. But I certainly think that I'll end up doing another solo record before too long. Um, I've kind of got some ideas for it and where I'd like to take it. So that, I would say that that's something in the future moving forward that would be uh, something to look out for. And last question, you know. There's been a lot of changes within Black Bill Brides. You are, you know, the, the, the only original member left. When you are creating and you are bringing in new voices, new, new musicians, finding that comfort level with the people that, you know, that you want to work with can be difficult sometimes. Where do you, how do you find that comfort level with new people coming in and out of the band? 
you know, we've had the same lineup for uh, about he's about twelve years, with the exception of one person, okay. and Lonnie, who is the 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 current bass player and, and new member of the band. Um, I've known him for a little while. He toured with me, and so there was a comfortability there, and he just kind of fit right in. So, uh, you know, the the lineup changes really happened when I was a kid. It's it's a little bit deceptive because I started the band when I was sixteen. And in the early days of the band, I would meet somebody in Cincinnati where I grew up that could play for a weekend or two, and then they would have been in the band. And then they left and did something else. And so it, I ended up with what looks like 22 separate members before I get to L.A. And then once I get to L.A., we had the same lineup for the entire time until recently and where we've got a new member. But the reality is the band is is Jake, it's Jenks, and it's CeCe and myself. That's That's been the band for all this time. And now we've got Lonnie involved and he just fit right in. Awesome. Well, Andy, thank you very much for doing this interview. I do appreciate, I do appreciate the time. Um, good luck with the, with the new album and good luck in 2022 with the tour. Thanks very much. I appreciate it. Thanks for having me on. All right, everybody. I'm Jay Scott. This is the hook rocks. That's Andy Bruce. get their new album, the Phantom tomorrow by black Veil brides available everywhere. And uh, take care of yourself, stay strong, stay safe, and we will talk again soon. Thank you. It's NFL draft season, and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football. FantasyPoints.com features industry-leading experts and prognosticators using proprietary hand-charted data to help you score more fantasy points. FantasyPoints.com is the place to go for whatever kind of fantasy football you play. Whether you play fantasy football, daily fantasy sports, or do a little bit of everything, Fantasy Points has the meticulously researched content to guide you to victory. And why wait for the fall? Fantasy Points also covers the new spring football league, the UFL. 
Join the guru, John Hansen, Scott Barrett, Joe Dolan, and other massive names in the fantasy football universe with an exclusive offer. Use code Pantheon for 15% off any fantasy points package, including the all-in package, with access to every article, tool, and data nugget that Fantasy Points has to offer. That's FantasyPoints.com and code Pantheon for 15% off at Fantasy Points. FantasyPoints.com, code Pantheon. Score more Fantasy Points. 